بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and time for us once again to do yet another very interesting educational program الفق المذاهب الأربعة تفق according to the four schools of thought and what us this afternoon is Mufti Abdul Qadir saying let's welcome him to the program السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Mufti Sahib وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته جزاك الله خيرا Brother Ibrahim Gangad بارك الله فيكم Yes Mufti Sahib we're going to be discussing wudu today and the first question many non-Muslims like to ask this question what is the meaning of wudu? بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد all praise is due to Almighty Allah the sustainer nourisher and cherisher of this universe peace blessings and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alaihi wasallam First and foremost, nowadays in books they translate is ablution. That's a bit of an incomplete translation. What we should say is wudu, what a dhamma, what a pesh on the wow, refers to the actions that we do whilst performing the wudu, washing the face, hands and so forth. And secondly, wazu is the water that is being utilized at the time of performing the wudu. So just to say ablution, that will not really give the true meaning and make justice to it. Secondly, look at the beauty of Islam in it. We are going for salat, for prayer, so we want to wash ourselves externally and when we perform our salah then we are purging and cleansing ourselves internally as well so it is again a system of purification from our sins and externally Mufti Saab, a question that is uh, very much interesting uh, and I notice here that obviously sometimes wudu is spelled with W-U-Z-U and others spell it D-H-U, what is the correct Word. How do you pronounce? What is? How do you spell the word of wudu? When you look at the Arabic alphabet, then it is wow, bod, then wow, and then a hamza in the end, wudu un, as we will say. And if you look at transliteration, the proper transliteration, then it will be W-U-D-H-U. So wudu, you know. So that is a very close uh, transliteration. So that will be the proper way of spelling it. Where is wudu mentioned in the Quran, Mufti Sahib? Almighty Allah Jalla wa'ala mentions in the Noble Quran, Ya yuwalladheena amanu, O you who believe, A iman walo, 89 times, Ida kumtum ila salat, that when you stand for salat, so it means, they don't mean now you're already in the surf, it means when you make the intention for salat. You see, a very easy example of this is, Quran Kareem states, Ida qara'atal Quran, so when you have the letters and the word, Ida, before the verb in the past tense. So it is now karata is past tense. Kumtum is in a past tense. So it does not mean when you finish read Quran, then first is billah in a shaitan rajim, then read awuzu billah. No. For Quran means when you make intention to read Quran Sharif, then read So when you make the intention for salat, then go perform your hudu. wash your faces. and wash your hands, including your elbows, and you make masa of your head and so forth. 
وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى كَعَبَيْنِ And your feet, including the ankles. So it shows that Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla has mentioned this clearly. And when we look at the Hadith Kitab, every Hadith Kitab almost speaks of wudu. And there are so many Sahaba who narrate, and it was a daily occurrence in the life of Nabi alayhi salam and the beloved companions of Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. Mufisab, wudu is such a noble action as you are explaining to us right now. What are then the virtues of wudu? The virtue, the virtues, if one studies, you know, the ahadith compilations are so many, but because of time constraint, I'll just mention one. The Sahaba came and said, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that tomorrow, day of Qiyamah, there will be billions and trillions, zillions or zillions of people from Nabi Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, right to this Ummah, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasalam, Ummah. How will you recognize, Kayfa Tarifu Ummataka, how will you recognize your Ummah, Ya Rasulullah? Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasalam said, Ghurram muhajjaleen. Now the term Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam used, Ghurram muhajjaleen, means when you have horses and all of them are black, Duhmun buhmun, the word used in the hadith. But you have certain horses that they have whiteness here on their forehead and they have whiteness on their feet. So how they will be so distinct in that group of horses. So similarly, that this ummah, when we wash our face, it will be shining, glittering on the day of Qiyamah and on the hands and our feet and all that. So that is why this ummah, yeah, we believe that this is a distinction and unique feature of this ummah and it's called that Ghurram Muhajjaleen. And this is mentioned in Muslim Ahmad, Mishka Sharif, so many ahadith kitabs that this is the virtue of this ummah. What are the fard of wuzu according to the Hanafi school of thought? According to the Hanafi school of thought, we must understand when we use the term fars, what does it mean? It means that if any one of these actions are omitted or done improperly, not done properly, then that wudu will be null and void. Likewise, when we discuss the other schools as well individually, so let's go to the Hanafis. Now each one of the scholars go to this Quranic ayat that I just mentioned. So Hanafis say in principle there are four, you know, faraiz of wudu. The first one is that washing of the face. So what does it mean? Washing of the face once. Washing of the face thrice, that will be sunnah, but once. So what is meant by the face? Where the hair grows here, where, you know, above the forehead, from there and then to below the chin. So that will be when we look at it vertically, horizontally from the lobe of the ear to the other lobe. So that there we will say is, we must remember that is considered to be the face. So to wash that portion there, that area there, that will be compulsory. So that is number one. Number two is to wash the hands. So we take the tip of the fingers right till up to including the elbows. So that will be number two. And then number three will be the masah. Now, yeah, in masah we need to understand. Quran Karim states, So, according to Hanafis, we translated, the Hanafi ulama translate, that make masa of your head. 
So the bar that is there before ru'us, ru'us is the plural of ra'as, the head. So it means tabi'is, so some portion of the head. And then when you look at the hadith of Mughira bin Shu'ba radiallahu an and so forth, so from there they deduce that quarter head. So masa of quarter head must be done. So whether it's quarter head in front of here, right on the front of the head, or on the middle of the head, the crown, or whether the back, anywhere. So once you make minimum masa of quarter of the head finished, the first will be done. And the fourth one will be washing of the feet, and that will be including the ankles. So these are the four faraiz and compulsory actions according to the Hanafi school. Mufti Sab, what are the faraiz of wudu according to the Shafi'i school of thought? According to the Shafi'is, they have six faraiz. When a person makes wudu, he must make niyyah. So innamal a'malu bin niyat, Imam Shafi quotes that and says that niyyah and intention is compulsory. Then you must wash the face, then you have to wash, you know, after washing the hands and the mouth goggling and washing the nose. So that is sunnah, obviously, but washing the face once, like as I explained, so that's compulsory. And then the third one will be washing the hands, including the elbows. Then the fourth one. So how we explain about the Hanafis, so we said that, you know, quarter head, the Shafis say no. Even if one hair or three hair get wet, so that also will suffice according to the Shafis. Imam Shafi actually looked at the literal meaning of Masa. So even if one hair, three hair get wet, so finish with a finger, a person does that. So, you know, just puts his head, uh, finger on the head, so the hair gets, uh, or the head gets, you know, wet, moist, finish, so that will suffice. So that's basically taking the Lugha and the Lexicon Dictionary into consideration. And that was the, the fifth one. And then the next one, uh, the fourth one, sorry, the fifth one will be the washing of the feet, including the ankles. And then tartib. Tartib means sequence. First the face, then the hands, then the masa, and then the feet. So you must follow the sequence. It's compulsory, according to Shafi's. If you don't do that, then your wudu will not be valid. According to Hanafi's, just for, you know, argument's sake, let's say a person washed his feet first, and then he made masa, or then the person washed his hands, including the elbows and whatever you. So it is against the sunnah, according to Hanafi's, and one should not do so, but the fatwa verdict will be the wudu is valid. According to Shafi's, that niya is compulsory and intention and tartib, that is washing face and then the hands, then masa, then the feet. So if a person goes against that particular sequence, then we will say that that wudu is null and void according to the Shafi school, scholars and jurists. Muftisab, we continue. What are the faraids of wudu according to the Maliki school of thought, Muftisab? Imam Malik rahimahullah has seven faraiz. Subhanallah, very similar. Number one is niya, you know, just like the Shafi is. You must have intention, make intention. The intention can mean your heart also, that's fine. But you must have that intention. And then number two, washing the face, so that we explained already. Third one, washing the hands, that we explained already. Masah. Imam Malik rahimahullah is the most strict in this regard. He says washing the entire head, making a washing meaning masa. So masa of the entire head is compulsory. 
Jami'ul Ras. So Masa of the complete, he's the only one who says that, and it's compulsory. All the others say Sunnah. Hanafis will say Korte is compulsory, Shafis will say three hair and so forth. But the Malikis, they say to make Masa of the whole head. So from the beginning of where the hair grows, right till the nape, you know, till there. So we will say it's compulsory, that is according to Imam Malik, Rahimahullah. So that's four. Then number five, washing of the feet. So that will be compulsory. Then Imam Malik got a term that we call Muwalat. Muwalat means that every lamb must be washed in quick succession. You can't go now wash your face and then you go, you know, dry it and after 10, 20 minutes you come and so forth. So that will not be acceptable according to the Malikis. Hanafi say all that is sunnah, mustahab and so forth. And even the Shafi'is, but they don't say it's compulsory. But your Malik says it is compulsory. Every lamb must be washed in quick succession. So that's number six. And number seven, Imam Malik got dalak. Dalak means, dalak means, you can say dalak is fine. So dalak means to rub. So let's say we are washing the hands. You can't just pour water. You have to rub as well. You can't just pour water on the feet. You have to rub as well. Similarly on the face, you can't just pour. So you have to rub. So all that will be compulsory according to the Maliki jurist. And finally, Mufti Saab, according to the four schools of thought, the Hanbali school of thought, Mufti Saab, what are the faraiz thereof? Imam Ma- Ahmad bin Hanbal, Rahimullah, also differs with some scholars on certain issues. For example, he also says niyat is compulsory. Then he says that washing of the face is compulsory. Washing of the hands is compulsory, including the elbows. Then Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal says masah. So yeah, his verdict is very similar to that of the Shafi's 3A and so forth. The uh, Hanbal have many fatawa on this issue actually and then the last one will be uh, in the mention of Quran that is washing of the feet but Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal also has you know tartib tartib means they must be sequenced just like the Shafi is then he also has muwalat muwalat means like the Malikis now that the lambs must be all washed in quick succession one after the other so all these are issues that are compulsory now, yeah, I need to highlight something. That when we say compulsory, now it doesn't mean that we must just make the huzu like this. We will say that there are many things that are sunnah, that are mustahab and so forth. So all that you can ask, inshallah, that, you know, when we continue discussing regarding the sunnahs of wudu and the mustahabat and etiquette of wudu. Now we ask the question about the sunnah. How should one perform a sunnah wudu, Mufti Saab. A sunnah wudu, if you take the sahaba, they should study every action of Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And you know, I just want to mention two, three terms from the noble Quran so we can enlighten our listeners. When it comes to the adat and the ibadat and the actions of Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam, fattabi'uni. Fattabi'uni means to make ittiba of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So ittiba of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means that each one of us must now emulate Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we say we have to emulate Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it means like how the tabi, the calf imitates its mother. So that is the philology, the history of the word.
So our wudu must not be such where we are not using enough water or we are using too much water and all that. So the actions of Nabi alayhi salam, the word we use, ittiba on Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa When it comes to the speech Mubarak and uh, of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the blessed verdicts, then it is ita'at, that is to be obedient to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And all this, whether it is ittiba, emulating the actions of Nabi alayhi salam, or whether it is ita'at, obedience to the speech of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this will emanate from the ummah when we have the ishq and the true love for Nabi sallallahu So let us just take from the start an ideal wuzu of a true Muslim. So first and foremost, the person will perform wuzu in a place where you are sitting. And best is we are facing Qibla. And we will be sitting posture. And then we will walk, we'll make the niyat and so forth. You know, we don't want to go into the differences. We discussed that already. Majority scholars say it's compulsory. Hanafis will say it's sunnah. Then we wash our hands, you know. And then we put water in our mouth. We gargle it thrice. Wash your hands thrice, including the rest. Then the nose. We insert the water with the right hand and clean it with the left hand with the, with the little finger and the thumb. Here, oh esteemed listeners of CII, we need to just pause a moment. Everything of Islam has mahasin, has such great beauty in it. But the alas, the tragedy is the ummah doesn't understand it. Take water. If someone, a non-Muslim, our maid or domestic has to ask us, that what are the characteristics of water? We will say water has three characteristics. So now we washed our hands, right? The water was coming out from the tap or we were pouring water from a jug or a bottle. So we came to know the color of the water. We took the water, we inserted in our mouth. We came to know the taste of the water. So there's a second quality. And the third one, we took the water, inserted in our nose. And then we came to know the smell of the water. Subhanallah, once the color is okay, and then the taste and the smell is good, now Allah's kalam and Quran says, You proceed with your hudu. Subhanallah, you juxtapose, compare this with any religion and any cult or whatever, ideology. And can they bring something so beautiful like hudu? No one can do that. And if you study any law of Islam, you will always find that beauty that is in, inside and in the, in the actions itself, in the ibadat itself. So first we wash our hands, including the rest rice. Then we'll gaggle our mouth three times, use the miswak and so forth. That's highly, highly recommended. Hanafi say that the miswak should be used wudu time and the Shafi say that it be used salat time but both agreed can be used both places and it's highly recommended for male and female definite sunnah third one the cleaning of the nose then we wash our faces thrice then the hands thrice and then masa once the Shafi say masa also should be done thrice that is the Shafi verdict and majority scholars say once and then the feet should be washed thrice. So all this will be encompassing and explaining how to perform a proper sunnah wudu. And as I mentioned, it's better, but obviously we can't say compulsory, that we follow the Qibla, if we face the Qibla. So all these are issues we should try and take into consideration. Mufti Saab, when should one make wudu? This is also an important question. When is wudu compulsory? So before a person reads Salat, the five daily Salat, remember Huzu is compulsory. 
Or if a person is in the state of wudu, then there's no need for him or her to perform another wudu. But if there's no shortage of water, and now you read Asr Salat, for example, with wudu, you still have your wudu for Maghrib at Maghrib time, so it's fine. But if you perform another wudu, man tawadda'a ala tuhurin, kataballahu lahu ashara hasanatin, whosoever makes one wudu upon another wudu, and with the first wudu, you did something for which wudu is required. You're not wasting water. Then you will receive. Allah will write down and record for you ten hasanat, ten good deeds. The hadith mentioned in you know Muslim Ahmad and various compilations. So anyway, we find that is one place, and it can be any salat. You know, so much so even a sajda tilawat. You know, there are fifteen sajda tilawat in the Noble Quran. You can't perform a sajda without a wudu. Then we have tawaf. So before tawaf of the Baytullah, obviously you must have wudu. Then mushul mushaf. Masul Quran to touch the noble Quran, so there you must have wudu. So these are places where wudu is compulsory. If a person reads salat without wudu, is null and void. If a person makes a tawaf without wudu, it will not be valid. So all these are issues. Similarly, a person touching the noble Quran, and you know just the Arabic text that is there, no translation, only Arabic, then the person is sinful. And we will say that like that there are other issues as well. So these examples. However, I want to give one two examples where a person should make wudu but it's not compulsory for example nabi alayhi salam said la yuhafidu ala wudu illa mu'min no one looks after their wudu except a true believer so daytime nighttime as far as possible a muslim should stay in wudu you know i just give you two examples which normally are overlooked nowadays before a person goes and sleep and retire at night time, so then also to perform hudu is highly recommended sunnah. When we go for Iyadatul Marith, ABC person is ill and sick. So now we want to go visit him. The hadith in Abu Dawood. You're going to visit a sick person in a hospital, in a clinic at home. Then also Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa said, make hudu and then go and visit the sick person. This is the beauty of Islam. We see today, just see today. You enter the hospital, the clinic, they have their big, big gadgets there. Wash your hands, please, and use this. And then when you come out, wash your hands. Finish, Nabi alayhi salam taught us all this more than 1400 years ago. Before you visit the ill, the sick, finish. And after every good action like salah and recite of the Quran, we make dua. So, after wudu, what dua should one read after performing the wudu? Subhanallah, you know, when we study the noble Quran, what do we find? Almighty Allah says, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Almighty Allah says, call me, make dua to me, supplicate to me, أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ I will respond to you. And this is 24-7, 24 hours, 7 times, 7 days a week. So it shows that Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla is giving us this golden opportunity. And you know, it can be in any language actually when we make our own personal du'as. So when we speak of after wudu, then when we study the authentic ahadith, you know, Targheeb wa Targheeb, Mishka Sharif, Bulughul Maram, Mishka Muslim Ahmed, you will find this type of du'as. Number one, Allah 
Allahumma j'alni min at-tawabin. O Allah, make me from those who make sincere tawbah, who turn to you in repentance, O Allah. Waj'alni min al-mutatahirin. And make me, O Allah, from those who are pure and cleansed. So we pure ourselves internally, externally. Second one, when we finish with our wudu, ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu rasulu. You can look at the sky also after that, because that also Nabi alayhi salam used to do occasionally. And then, inshallah, the sins of that person are forgiven. The doors of Jannah will open for that person there. So all this will be considered as the ad'iyah masnuna. Ad'iyah is the plural of du'a. So the du'as that are sunnah and masnoon. And remember that before we start the wudu, we say bismillah. So that also is a du'a that we should take into consideration. And you know, one important point here, that in some books, you know, English, Urdu, other languages, and uh, you will find that some kitabs have written that for every lamb you wash, I'll just give you an example. They say, for example, you're washing your face, so you must read, Allahumma bayid wajhiya yawma tabiyaddu hujuhu wa taswaddu hujuhu. Oh Allah, whiten my face and so forth, the day when the faces are made white and so forth. Remember these du'as, we can say they are mustahab, but we can never say they are sunnah, because Nabi alayhi salatu salam never recited them, never taught the ummah. These are what we can call the da'abu salihin, the action of pious people, the awliyaullah, amalul awliya. So we must draw the distinction always. One is the sunnah, what Nabi alayhi salam did or taught us, and one is what pious people did. So we can say that it is an action that's permissible, but we must never say it is sunnah or compulsory, so that is very important. Mufti Saab, there's one last question I've got to ask you. It's not a very serious question, but sometimes we've noticed when we make wudu in the masajids that when people are completed, especially young men or boys and so forth, they would then sprinkle some uh, water towards the area of their private parts. Mufti Saab, is there anything in the that has to do with... Immediately after wudu, you see them doing this, some of them. Saab, is there anything that we need to know about? Excellent question, Abrambay. That's why we'd love to do programs with you, Abrambay. Barakallahu feekum. There's a hadith. Nabi alayhi salam said, إِذَا تَوَدَّعْتَ فَانْتَضِحْ That when you finish your wudu now, then, then sprinkle water. You see sometimes people, when they stand up, when they in salat, then you waswisufi sudur in nas, then there's waswasa and whisperings of shaitan. So all these thoughts come. So to nip it in the bud. So you pour it water, so all these negative thoughts must not come. Obviously, if you are sure it is a droplet or drop of urine or whatever you, then the wuzu is broken, you have to go wash, make a stinja, clean your clothing, your soiled clothing, all that. But not, we mustn't work on waswasa and whispering and doubt. And the ulama have written two great things here. They said, after the wudu is finished, take the water, sprinkle on your private part, you know, you can do that, and you stand and drink the water, you see. So why, Nabi alayhi salam said, that people go to Jahannam, why? Because of ajwafan, the two openings. What are the two openings, Ya Rasulullah? Qala al-famu wal-farju. One is the tongue and one is a private part. So after wudu, drink the water. Ya Allah, you protect our tongue at all times, all places. Then al-farju, the private part. So it shows that that also we have to protect at all times, all places. So this is asrarul, uh, uh, you know, of the, this is the, what we'll call the secrets of a'mal, 
of these actions. Jazakum Allah bring us to the end of yet another inspirational educational program, Al-Fiqh Al-Madahib Al-Arba'a, the Fiqh according to the four schools of thought from myself and Muftisab. Until we meet you again, fi amanillah, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.